They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside. And Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Good evening, you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is a Somerset Cricket Podcast. My name's Ian Shepherd. Joining me this evening, I've got Steve Tancock, Dan Kingdom, and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. And, well, a season that seems to have gone in the blink of an eye, as, as they always do, Steve. And, well, I'm afraid it was quite a catastrophic fall at the at the final hurdle in that last month of Championship Games. Yeah, I... I... I woke up on the Friday morning not having a good feeling and I think we've all followed Somerset long enough to know that feeling um, and what I, it proved to be right but what I can't rationalise I still can't rationalise it after the weekend is what was different about the way we bowled and they batted in the second innings compared to the fourth the third innings compared to the fourth innings it was chalk and cheese now was it that we just decided to put everyone on the boundary and and bowl to that field which didn't work or was it that they were far better than us or was it that we are all mentally shot and frankly didn't see we could back to in a bit sessions i think it's a bit of both really i mean we were just trying to delay that declaration the pitch was was playing pretty flat um and they they, they just had wickets in hand and, and license to swing the bat at it um, and if we yeah, if we'd have true. come out and if we'd have come out and swung the bat from ball one chasing what was it two seven three I think it was uh, we'd have got slaughtered if we'd have come out and batted like yeah. that because everybody would yeah, said oh Somerset aren't uh, you know playing for the integrity of the championship or, and things like this so it but was the ball and the ball hardly misbehaved in their second innings and. I don't for one minute think, given how wound up he was getting, that Craig wasn't bending his back mm. and putting it in. And I'm sure Leachy was really giving it a rip as well. And then Wokes and Co come on and, and make mm. it move and seem about and bounce and carry, you know, very odd. Just I think it, it just sums up that it was the end of a really long last month of the season. I think the players were shot emotionally as much as anything. And, you know, we all know what it's like when you've got to do something at work and you go, oh, I mean, I've had a bit of a day like that today where I've had to do stuff and I've got it done, but it's been really hard work. And I suspect when they got there on Friday morning, you know, despite all the good words of, oh, yeah, we're going to chase the target and whatever, it was just mm-hmm. a bit a bit flat I think the other thing though and I do think I've been thinking this specifically about Lewis Goldsworthy for a while I think Lewis Goldsworthy had a very very good season up until the Lancashire quarter final yeah. and I think the last month has been a month too far for him emotionally and mentally as well and I do think you know and there'll be people on here who go oh, do standing up for Somerset again yeah. I got accused on Twitter, or Abby and I got accused on Twitter of being Somerset super fans because we were standing up for the club. Well, great. I'll be a Somerset super fan if that's the, the yeah, stipulation. The you know, because obviously what you want to do is have the opportunity to moan about Somerset cricket rather than be positive about it. <laughs> and I was just thinking, Lewis Goldsworthy, 
Yes, he's played a long season for a young lad at a level much higher than he's ever played and intensity is much higher he's ever played. Yes, he's paid for it, but it's his first season. You know, Tom Lamaby, I think Lewis Goldsworthy had second season syndrome in September, like Tom Lamaby had second season syndrome. And yeah. once you get over the emotion, Ian, and you get into the next week and you think about it, which team would you rather be supporting? Somerset or insert name of another team? <laughs> You know, in terms of what we've got coming through, the setup we've got, everything. You've just got to be positive and go, it happens, it's sport. We don't have a divine right. You know, I've heard it said, and some people have said to me, oh, you Somerset supporters, you've got a sense of entitlement. No, we haven't. <laughs> no. This Somerset support have got completely the opposite because he remembers the, the bad years. Mm. Yeah, and it's the thing to say we've got a sense of entitlement. We want to win the championship. We want to be good enough to win the championship, but you're absolutely right. Um, just going back to what you said about Lewis Goldsworthy, I remember there was an interview oh, was a couple of years ago now, I can't remember who it was, but it was with a member of the, the coaching staff, maybe uh, Jason Kerr, Andy Hurries, or maybe even and Trez, and, and they were talking about the difference or, or the changes that need to come in to a player's life when they become a first-class professional mm. cricketer. You know, It's all very well saying you've got the talent, you can go out, you're smashing thousands of runs in club cricket, in national counties cricket, in second eleven cricket. But that leap up, it's of preparing yourself mentally and physically for that day in, day out. I don't want to say grind, but you know, playing for Somerset should be a joy and a privilege, and I'm sure it is. But just like what you said earlier, there are days when it is a grind. It's like any mm. job. And I remember. Um... My dad worked with the Parsons twins' dad, and I played. I was a lot younger than the Parsons twins' dad. I hasten to add, but I played quite a lot of club cricket with and against him. And he was an outstanding player, St Andrews, captain the side. Made like you said, he made baskets of runs every season. Yeah, and got a fair few games for Somerset twos. And he said to me that when he was talking to somebody in the Somerset Two's dressing room who'd played a bit of first-team cricket, as a batsman, the analogy was, if you play in club cricket and you're good in club cricket, you can probably score off four to five balls and over. Mm -hmm. When you go into second eleven cricket, you'd be lucky if you can score off two and probably one. And there'll be two or three balls there that you've got to block. Yeah. And then for a second-team player who can score off, say, three to four balls and over in second-team cricket, he goes up to the first team and has that same algorithm of maybe one ball. Yeah. And Lewis Goldsworth, he's gone from under-19s to seconds to firsts in the blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just really tough. So, Dan, you were shuttling between Derbyshire and uh, Edgbaston. <laughs> Keep, keeping bit, an yeah. eye on and the England. And Worcestershire. Oh, Dan's tour of the East and West Midlands. Um, so, how did you find your couple of days up at Edgbaston? Um, so, yeah, the, what was the first day I went to? That was day two. So, that was quite a good day. Um, see, we got those early wickets, you know, after, you know, it sounds like on day one we persevered well. Um, and then on day two, obviously, we, you know, Warwickshire, they were, you know, going for it a bit because they had to get to that fourth uh, bowling point, sorry, fourth batting point um, to keep the title in their hands. Which obviously, they did do just about, but we did bowl quite well up to then. And, you know, there was a couple of good wickets we took. Like Craig managed to, you know, get the edge of um, 
I can't remember who it was. There was a court behind first over the day, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. Um, so we bowled all right until sort of the end, really. You know, Danny Briggs managed to went up, go on the counter-attack um, against Brooks in particular. But, you know, we batted really well that day. Um, Lamanby and Azar, you know, they made 59 and 60. The problem is, is they weren't able to go on. And that was a problem throughout the innings. We have, was it five players scored between 49 and 68? Um, and it's sort of been an issue all season, really. We've not been scoring centuries. And I looked at this this morning. We've had five centuries this season in the championship. And two of them were exactly 100. Two of them were exactly 107. Only one did someone really push on, and that was Tom Abel, who got 130-odd not out, didn't he? Yeah. It's, last year, we were very good at converting 50s into 100s and starts into 50s, etc. This year, we've not been doing that, and that's been a big part of our problem. You know, we've not, a lot of the time this season, we've not even been getting to 50. But we also haven't been converting those 50s into 100s. And I think that's um, sort of a big part of our batting problems mm-hmm. this season. But it was still a decent day. Though. You know, we, we ended the day in a decent place. And obviously, the next morning, you know, Gregory, you know, Gregory struggled a tad that day. But the next morning, so wasn't there. But he seemed to pick up quite well and uh, back quite well with the tail. Particularly Leach, who obviously saw 140 balls. Um, shame he couldn't get his 50. But um, he was a big part of denying Warwickshire that third bowling point. Um, so that was good. But then, obviously, day four, everything fell apart, both pool and then bat. Uh, most personally, bat because we, we that was not a pitch where we should have where we that was not a pitch where we should have collapsed for 154 all out. Um, Warwickshire did bowl well; they were well up for it, um, and they found some extra bounce. Um, throughout the innings, some balls were bouncing more than others, but too many of the shots were our own downfall. You know, particularly as are able and goals will be playing poor shots away from their body, unnecessary, and no foot movement, and they got themselves out. Some of them were good balls. You know, for example, um, Davis and Craig were bowled by snorters. Um, Lamanby's another, you know, bad shot to Danny Briggs in Briggs's only over of the day, and. Unfortunately, we reverted to type after, you know, the second innings, second innings against Lancashire, we were good, we were busy, we scored quickly and we scored a lot of runs. So, same in the first innings at Edgebaston, but in the second innings, maybe we were caught in two minds a bit, you know, didn't quite know whether mm-hmm. to attack and go for the target or whether to just see out the overs. Um, you know, in four-day cricket, you've got to have a clear plan. Um, and when your mind gets scrambled and you're batting, that's when things can go wrong. Yeah, you should so Maybe that was part of it. You shouldn't be thinking when you're batting. That's the worst thing you can do is think. Mm. You just need to trust your trust your preparation, trust your instinct, which I think is what Tom Lamanby was doing um, during his 100 against Lancashire. And also, uh, what did he get in the first innings here? Yeah, 59. Just looked to be playing his natural game, not being afraid to uh, get the broom out when he needed to, sweeping with, uh, with gay abandon and playing that lovely wristy pull shot that goes just in front of mid-wicket he seemed to be unfurling that with uh, with glee at times so yeah it was you're absolutely right there when you when you kind of not batting with any purpose that's when that's when things go wrong and it seems to be a lost art now batting out for the draw I mean what do we need just over two sessions to, to bat out <laughs> we just we just couldn't manage it I should explain our slightly um, disjointed conversations at the moment <laughs> We were sending emails back and forth between the four of us today, trying to um, 
trying to come up with a start time that that suited everybody because a bit later on we're going to be chatting to uh, Caroline Herbert who's the commercial director at uh, Somerset County Cricket Club um, popped in a polite inquiry um, just wondering why the price of the members dinner and presentation on Saturday has gone up uh, from 45 quid for members to uh, 90 quid from uh, 2019 so I, I'm going to be chatting to Caroline about quarter past eight because that's the, that's the only time that she could do uh, and then we were kind of sending emails between us and I was forgetting to CC people in and oh it all got a bit uh, a bit complicated so we're still waiting for Anthony I think Anthony might be having his dinner now and joining us uh, in about 10 minutes or so or whenever he, he sees the email to join us so that's explaining where we are at the minute so Anthony's probably going to um, go over some of the things that we've uh, we've already said about the uh, the Warwickshire game, but as a whole, Dan, I said to Steve earlier uh, before you popped on that it was uh, we just kind of fell at the final hurdle in in pretty spectacular fashion. Yeah, and it, it didn't really surprise me, which is a shame. Um, just going into that last day, I just had this feeling that maybe it will happen again we'll go back into collapse mode and Warwickshire are going to be up for it and it was almost a reminiscent slightly of 2011 wasn't it against Lancashire mm. we didn't really resist too hard when they um, chased down that target um, to get the title um, I don't know it, it's, it's part of this wider issue with our batting at the moment which is just very hard to explain all of them are just collectively not scoring enough runs and I don't know if we, we don't know if it's a wider issue whether they've all got individual problems um, but they've just tailed off at the end of the season really for some reason um, and it's a shame to finish the season with you know four losses in four I, it's it's sort of, yeah. not unprecedented but it's not happened for a long time Somerset four stuffing, well three stuffings and one uh, what do we end up losing by? Three the stuffings and the capitulation, which sounds like the new Richard Curtis film, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to put that on my uh, list to go to the cinema and watch. Yeah, 154 all out chasing 273. Um, for me, it seems, I think I, uh, was it you put on Facebook, Steve, about uh, the Deja Vu post uh, from about five or six years ago? Did you uh, mm. repost that? And the gist of that was, Okay, we've not won the championship again, but we've got a good crop of young players coming through, etc., etc., etc. What's happening with these young players? Because why aren't they really kicking on? Because you sort of go back. We've obviously let Eddie Byram go. George Bartlett can't get in the team now. Um, we've already sort of spoken about Lewis Goldsworthy. I don't think it's fair to quite include him in that bracket yet. Um, Tom Banton has had uh, issues jumping in and out of bubbles and just not being able to play any any continual cricket. So I don't know what what's the issue. Because... I, I think it's I think it has <clears throat> part of it has got to come down to it has been an extraordinary fifteen or sixteen months of cricket mm -hmm. for them because it's it's actually a year ago today was the last day of the Bob Willis final, which was, was that yeah. you know weird six seven weeks of cricket we had that came out of the blue and you know it, it, i would imagine every single one of us can think of a few things that we've struggled to cope with or found really difficult over the last 18 months and then you're trying to pro play professional sport it's you look at any sport Ian, and you know as a, a gooner that they've got an amazing crop of young players 
and some have really come through and yesterday a couple were outstanding and haven't been for a while and that happens all the time you know and there was a youngster up, up here at Ben Woodburn who was playing for Wales and was the gr next greatest thing and he can't get in any side they can't find anywhere to loan in these days so I think we all have to to remember that people don't develop in a linear way in professional sport I think the shame has been that with one or two exceptions all the development has pretty much ground to a halt and you only have Jack Leach is the classic example is it? he's had a rotten 18 months mm -hmm. you know in and out of bubbles well in bubbles mainly hardly playing any cricket and then when he does play you can see from that guts of that innings he played he guts it out but he's struggling to find rhythm which is really important for a spin bowler yeah. so I, I just think we have we have got to go right blank page you know mm -hmm. to, to to look at it I think we've seriously got to think our overseas options and what the financial implication of a certain overseas bowler might be. Yeah. I think we have really got, you know, I'm going to go back on the Devon Conway bandwagon again. <laughs> we've got to try and get it's a good somebody like, to be on, Steve. But we've got to get some something like that that we can build around. And we've all got to pray every single day until the end of March next year that the youngsters that I mentioned at the end of the post on Friday continue developing through the winter and are challenging for first team places because they've been outstanding in under 19 and second 11 cricket and you know Jamie Rue playing for that county select side yeah and, and the other great thing is they all seem to have a younger brother who's purportedly better than them which is which is quite encouraging yeah, I think it's a it's a well-known uh psychological or sporting syndrome that younger brother syndrome because they always play up to the older brother and invariably the younger the younger brother is uh, is ends up being the better player here's a stat for you which i think is quite you can call it worrying if you like or not so at present we have a squad of 25 players who have played this year so i'm i've taken devon conway and, and eddie byram out of uh, out of the equation so we're left with everybody that's played this year how many do you think out of those 25 are aged between 25 and 31 mm. <laughs> are you including oh no, as i was older mm. a large proportion i'm going to say probably about 16 or 17 oh nowhere near Dan, what's your guess i mean overton gregory davy abel six maybe the answer is seven so out of our playing Ooh. squad we've only got seven in what you would potentially term the the those prime years of their career mm. so they're uh josh davy jack leach marchant de langer uh lewis gregory tom abel craig overton and ollie sale if you if you can count ollie or is he a, is he a <laughs> filmographer these days a documentary filmmaker extraordinaire so um and then going above that, Max Waller, who's 33 years and six months. And then below that is George Bartlett, who's 23 and, and six months. So okay. it, if you look at sort of an engine room in a batting order, almost an engine room in a squad is is those players who are still young enough to run around and yet have got enough experience to um, uh, to fall back on when times are tough. So um for me, that's something we potentially need to look at. And I know it's not something that we've generally done, but 
get some players in, experienced players in that age bracket who are sort of proven county performers. But I don't know. Throw some but, names but around. How many? The... How many players are you saying? Because we've got to get right the right. Yeah, it, exactly. Squeeze out the youngsters. Exactly. So it's it's an unfortunate position that we've kind of got ourselves in, really. Because because I personally wouldn't sign anyone but an overseas player for next season. So I, I get the two overseas players, or maybe even the, an overseas player and one good county signing if we can. But for the most part, I'm happy to just back the youngsters. Mm-hmm. It's the only way, only way that they'll improve. And I think they're they are really really talented. And mm-hmm. you know, you know these guys, Banson, Bartlett, they need to be playing at the moment. Really, they need to. Yeah, they're at the stage of their career. They need to be playing regular cricket, and we don't want them yeah. to leave either. And obviously, we want you know Smead and Goldsworthy to come through. Um, you know, obviously, Abel's Abel takes up a spot. Davis takes up a spot. There's a question about whether Hildreth is going to be in our first mm-hmm. championship team next season. Um, or B as well. We, he needs to be playing. You know, he's 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 got a spot sealed up. So you wonder where where we're going to sort of find a slot for new signings really in our team because. There's a, there is a lot of competition, despite the fact that you know the batters haven't been that successful recently. I think the bowling does need an, an extra, some extra bodies, um, to use a football yeah. term. Uh, I think I think we need well, we need an overseas bowler next season, and we need ideally one other, I think, as well. Um, so a domestic bowler would be useful because you know that's been a big issue, hasn't it? Clearly, in these last four games, the backup bowling just hasn't delivered. Um, you know, we need we need more cover. When Craig and Gregory, uh, we're going Craig's way of England if Gregory's injured, um, and obviously you know the hangers not really produced. So there's the question about whether we try to pay him off again. We, we don't know. We don't. We can't give an answer. Mm. To that. We don't know the, the financial situation, do we? Um, about what we're going to do with Delanger. But put it this way: if Delanger has signed a one-year contract, we wouldn't be renewing it, would we? No, 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 no definitely not. What do we do? Whew, I'm not fit enough to bowl next year. I don't know about you guys, but uh, yeah, go back because I made a little spreadsheet with everybody on it just to sort of have a look and see where we are. So yeah, between 19 and 23, we've got eight. So we've got Bartlett, Green, Banton, Lamanby, Aldridge, Goldsworthy, Smead, and uh, the youngest of the lot is old Ned Leonard. So then if you look at that, you've got Bartlett, Green, Banton, Lamanby, Goldsworthy, who are all sort of regular first team players you wouldn't if you saw a team sheet with all those five on it you probably you wouldn't be too surprised would you no um and i think we've got the old the the gnarly old county professional Ah, issue just as we say gnarly old county professional anthony's joined us didn't hear he clearly didn't hear that from his (laughs) face but you know what i mean there are the you know let's luke fletcher and stephen mulaney for example they would probably look at a Lewis Goldsworthy or a Ned Leonard at the moment and say, I'll figure him yeah. out. I know how to play him. Mm. You know, like when you get a 14-year-old coming to a club side, prodigiously talented, but, yeah. you know, the older players tend to know how to <laughs> deal with it. And what's, what's the, the Brains Trust, one of their favourite oh. words is learnings. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was actually quite encouraged by how hacked off the coach was talking to Anthony after the game on Friday because that's the first time we've really seen him dispense with the coach's thesaurus and actually 
uh, again, what came through on the interview, Anthony will tell us otherwise because he was there in person. But it looked to me like a man who had knew he had a lot of work to do over the winter. I should explain, Anthony, you jumped in halfway through the recording. We were sending emails back and forth. And I, I forgot to bloody CC you in. So we've done about 20 minutes already. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think you'll be surprised by much of what what uh, what's been said, to be honest. But um, yeah, Edgbaston, another capitulation, and uh, Jason Kerr venting his anger down your microphone. Yeah, he didn't he didn't really answer the question, though, um, which is what's the strategy going to be? You know, are they going to try and try and buy strengthen the squad by um, buying players in? Or they're going to continue to concentrate on their um, developing their young talent. And I thought it was it was quite interesting when I said, you know, when I asked him whether he had the resources to strengthen the squad, and he, he sort of there <laughs> wasn't much confidence in his reply, as I recall. So, yeah, I mean, it was um, it was you know they played so well for three days, and then I don't know what I don't know what happened on 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 the final day. But it was a it was another very depressing experience. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the greatest, was it? Um, I wonder if you can get this little uh, trivia uh, tidbit, Anthony. We're just looking at the playing squad. Um, how many players do you think we've got in the squad that are in the sort of prime cricketing years aged between 25 and 31? Oh, that's a good question. <clears throat> um, well, you've got uh, Tom Abel. <laughs> um, Jack Leach. Yep. Uh, Craig Overton. Yep. Uh, who else? Um, Marchant Delanger. Yep. Bad back. Uh, oh, Lewis Gregory. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it, is it? Uh, there's two more. Who have you missed? Uh, Josh Davey. Is another oh, okay. one, and uh, I wouldn't. It's not surprised you didn't get the last one, which is Ollie Sale. Oh, yeah. So just yeah. yeah. So we were just sort of discussing that we don't have enough players in that kind of young enough to run around, old enough to be a bit experienced kind of bracket. So no, no. It's, I mean, it is you know the older players in the latter part of the season. The older players have been out of form, and the you know the younger batsmen. Um, have, have been out of confidence as they have been for for most of the season, and you know without without the the um, reinforcement that uh, sort of um, that James Hildreth has provided, uh, you know in in recent years, you could always rely on Hildreth to to, to shore up that middle order. Yeah, and, you know in the absence of Hildreth and, and Steve Davis hasn't really got any runs in this in this latter stages mm. either. And and you're quite right. You know there is there is a, the, the young players aren't aren't making the progress that they should be, and the older ones aren't delivering in the way that they used to. It's a perfect storm, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> happy days. Oh, happy days. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's fire into some questions then. Uh, not too many this week, but uh, we shall see what we can do. One for you, Steve, from uh, <laughs> from <laughs> Sir Peter Wanless. Uh, after studying Dan's statistics, will Steve now concede that Kent, who are Sir Peter's second team, a distant second, I hope, are not a poor blast team? They're a very good blast team. Should be the best blast well, team. 
I won't because I didn't say that. What I said is it's a very poor Kent side overall. That's the point I'm making, and it's it exemplifies blast cricket that you don't typically get what I consider to be the better sides because they're at the top of the county championship always performing. And Kent are one of those sides who have clearly put every egg from the hen coop in the basket of white ball cricket and particularly 2020 cricket because they weren't much good at the Royal London this year. So I'm, I, I hate saying that Kent are a half-decent T20 side, but they are. They're an effective T20 side. I can't help the fact that I've, for all kinds of reasons, have no love for Kent cricket whatsoever. But, you know, they're effective on that pudding at the St. Lawrence ground and they find a way to win T20 games. But if you put them in Division 1, they would actually get absolutely annihilated. Mm-hmm. And they are, you know, you were just saying about how we're dependent or have been dependent. And he was saying about Hildreth's middle order runs. Take Darren Stevens out of that side and they would fall like a house of cards because take that experience away. You know, if you had, if we were going down the route, and I don't propose this, we were going down the route of being Nottinghamshire and being robber barons, then I'd have Sam Billings in a, a heartbeat because I think he's a, really committed tremendous leader very switched on i mean the way he skipped it in that final was outstanding but no sorry peter i'll have to agree to disagree they're an effective t20 side they're a poor county cricket side i mean it does they are they are better than effective t20 cricket for me they are they are very good daniel bell jarvis has been scoring t20 runs for years but denley's not been in great form this season but he's again been around for years scoring a lot of runs Jordan Cox, damn good youngster. I think I underrated him a bit before finals day, but you can see now how good he is. Uh, Jack Leaning has been pretty good for them in T20 cricket. We've got Billings as well, as you mentioned. Their bowling attack is quietly effective. Sort of players like Matt Milnes, Fred Clarsen. You wouldn't. They're not big names, but you know they are very good at T20 cricket. These guys. Um, there's a reason they won their group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite right. It does raise a more general point, though. Would you be? Uh, happy if at the start of next season or just before the start of next season the powers that be came out and said right we are fighting on one front this year be it the T20 or the county championship in the way that Kent have done with the T20 or would you rather us have another season of trying to go for everything and, and coming up short it was really can I just answer that by there was a post that Kent Kent's Ben Warren equivalent put on not long after the final and he quoted things that Kent supporters has been saying on social media oh that god were, let's just ben say doesn't do that <laughs> deeply deeply derogatory so clearly it was based around either the 50 over or the championship games yeah and it was like you know three or four quite nasty derogatory words and then winners with a picture of them lifting the trophy mm-hmm. so i imagine you know, and, and for the avoidance of doubt, especially for Sir Peter, I do not frequent social media sites of Kent cricket supporters. I have better things to do in my life. But I suspect there has been quite a lot of discontent until the last couple of weeks of the season. You know, and the trouble with T20 is if you put, if we were to do that, let's say we went down the T20 route, you have an off day in a quarter final. Yeah. I'll just yeah, you say win that. your group yeah. you win your group you know as I said I go back to I'm sounding a broken record now but 
the baseball playoffs start next week. The first round is best of five. The second and third rounds are best of seven. That's done for a reason, because even the worst team can beat the best team on the day. Yeah. So you put all your eggs in one basket, you collapse to 23 for five at home against Northamptonshire in the quarterfinal, you look a bit silly then. So if we're going to do it, let's put all our eggs in the championship basket, please. <laughs> well, you would say that Somerset is completely, as you know, Somerset supporters are completely fixated on the county championship because we have never won it. To a greater extent than any other county, even Gloucestershire, because they did win it back before 1891, where it was formally constituted. And um, and maybe Northamptonshire, you know, who probably never will win it. But, but no, I mean, it's uh, I don't I don't see how how we could concentrate our resources on the championship. We haven't got the players to, to no. do it. And, and and to concentrate on T20 cricket in Somerset would be a betrayal of everything that passionate Somerset supporters stand for and want to see achieved, which is winning the county championship before we're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the title of this week's podcast sorted out, Anthony. Thank you very much. Let's win the championship before we're all dead. <laughs> that's, as I've, as I've, people will know, and I'm going to write a blog post about it this week because I, I want to try and explain because I'm really happy at how much the blog's getting attention and it seems to be a lot from the wider cricketing world who do, a lot of people do care for Somerset who don't support Somerset mm -hmm. want to see us do well. And very quickly, on that awful day when we were up in Durham and a certain team who suffered because of our capitulation gave up, I was actually on the way to a... a work thing in Cambridge and rang my dad at the end of the day and I had an 80 year old in tears on the phone mm. because he said we are never going to win it in my lifetime are we and when he was in the hospice and this sounds really emotional but it's absolutely true one of the last conversations we had was I hope they win it in your lifetime Steve because it's the greatest regret of my life that they haven't and I think it does mean it means so much to us and I know I hope I've got a few more bites at the county championship left in my life yet. But I start thinking, are they ever going to win it in my lifetime there? So I think we've got every right to be fixated because we've been, you know, as Dan said, we either finished second or sixth in the last 15 years or 20, 10 years or whatever it is. And it, the way, if you look back at the ways we've managed to come second in the championships, quite stunning. Yeah. So, and look, you know, there's a there's a baseball team in the States called the Boston Red Sox, Red Sox who were great. They weren't like Somerset. They were brilliant in the early years of baseball. They went 86 years without winning the World Championships. And their hated rivals, the New York Yankees, won it about 30, 28, 30 times in that time. And they would get beaten by the Yankees in the postseason every year. They won it in 2004 and they've won it three more times since and have been one of the best teams in baseball ever since. And I do think that if we get over the line, you'll probably find a dynasty develops. Mm. Let's hope so. Really, Let's hope it's like do you think buses. we've got the side to? Do you think we've got the side, the, the squad to win the Kansas I think we've got the side in two years' time, Anthony. Possibly, yeah, possibly. As long as, they don't, as long as they don't walk off Trent Bridge in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> or Old Trafford. Or Surrey. Or Sapphire Gardens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just have a chat, a quick chat about that? Um, 
Surrey Glamorgan game. What an absolute farce. What did they end up about 710 for four declared at the end, Surrey? Something like that, wasn't it? When you combine that surface and Hashim Amla batting on it, that is it. You know. Just Eddie Byron, Eddie Byron took two wickets. Eddie Byron two, two for, two yeah, it was the it was the only two for a long time, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness gracious me! Well, but in all seriousness, surfaces like that just do absolutely nothing for anybody, do they? I'd rather have that than whatever they had down at Chelmsford. I don't know. Is that being inspected yet? That was overrated, ninety-five overs or whatever it was. No, of course not. No, nothing will be said because it was all seen bowlers. And of course. Northamptonshire apparently capitulated and were on the bus home on the first second morning. Um, I did did enjoy our friend Mr. Topley though because he he ran a very clever line of defence of the Chelmsford wicket by coming out quite vocally and saying this overall wicket is an absolute disgrace, which I thought was, was <laughs> supreme, supremely clever and worthy of a politician. Yeah, look over there. Oh dear. Um, are we? Is our um, suspended points penalty Should go is, now. is that over now? Yeah. Oh, great. Cider are bad. Bring it back. <laughs> Have a raging turn of the first week of April next year. Yeah, Jack Leach. First week in April. Well, <laughs> in, in all seriousness, we, we need to bring some sort of, of yeah, flavour or character to our pitches, don't we? Cause the, we do. We do. Absolutely right. But. Did but you... the trouble is with Moeen Ali retiring from Test cricket, it means that Jack Leach is going to be. Better. Oh, they'll find somebody else to put in front of him, Anthony. Don't worry about that. I think George Drissel's in line for the Ashes tour. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that I don't think they'll revert from type of treating Jack Leach like shit. So that they'll probably start picking Parkinson and having uh, having fun. Jack in another bubble. But uh, there we are. But let's hope that is not the case. Oh, back to a few questions then. I think we've... Uh, so there's uh, ones from Chris Payne, Andy Cleave and Neil who are all kind of this, the same uh, gist. So we'll go with Andy's. Uh, what are your priorities in terms of recruitment for the club this winter? Do you think we should cut our losses with Delanger and recruit a more consistent overseas bowler? As always, availability will be the issue with a PAX international schedule. We certainly need to beef up the backup bowling. I think um, mm-hmm. it's certainly no disrespect to sort of Josh Davy Jack Brooks, but it, it's it's a lot easier when you've got Craig Overton ahead of you, just relentlessly pounding that line and length, mm-hmm. um, and enabling you to not not hide, but almost be the um, the bowler that the guys or the batters. Well, it's a lot easier coming up to bowl when the opposition are thirty-two for three after sixteen overs, and it is sixty for one after five overs, isn't it? And that. You know, that's that's. A, I, I also think there's the dynamic of you've got to got to think of Craig, and it must be pretty soul destroying for him at the moment, because he, you know, you cannot fault the effort, and I, I love the fact that he was getting really wound up. That's the Craig I love when he gets really fired up, and you know, he was. Uh, you said on comms, Anthony, he was hating bowling in that second <laughs> Warwickshire innings. Well, so he why didn't we? Why didn't we run Matt Lamb out the second time? Why, we'd given him a warning. Why didn't? Because they basically Tom Abel said, "Well, Craig Overton told me that he decided, although he appealed, he withdrew the appeal." Oh, but if you've and given him a after, warning, 
I know he had, oh. but he said it wasn't in the spirit of cricket. That's what he said to me several times. Um, but I think there was a bit of consultation went on between Tom Abel and, and Craig Overson, and between them they decided not to pursue it because oh. it was more trouble than it was worth. If you've won, it's fair game. Who yeah, it is, it is. But I, the one good thing that, that um, came out of the, the sort of post-match was the fact that Lewis Gregory told me he'll be fit to bowl again after Christmas. Which, Fantastic. if it's true, is really, really good news because, we, my goodness me, we've missed him. With, Absolutely. Mm. And then yeah. he'll go on, He'll go off to the PSL and, uh, <laughs> and injure himself again. <laughs> Quite, well, he's got this, you know, chronic back condition, but, mm. but he, was, he was genuinely... Upbeat. I asked him a straight question. He gave me a straight answer, and you know, and, and it's no guarantee that Craig Overton's going to be bowling for England next season. Mm -hmm. And if we got Greg, Gregory Overton and Davy as the spearhead of our attack, I don't think we actually need March and Talaga. Uh, I presume no. we, we lumbered with him, for, yeah. but but frankly, he's done bugger all um, this 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 season, and. Um, Overseas bowlers aren't, aren't generally a good buy in any case because if they're any, unless they're South Africans, you know, you can't get coal packs anymore. No, if they're any good, they're playing for their international their national sides, and, and the national sides lay down all sorts of conditions as to how they can be can be bowled. So I, no. I, I think we need we need to to sign a, a you know top class, um, top order, you know, in the top three. Um, one to four into you know overseas batsman, someone like yeah. Matt Wade, you know yep. who, who who is going to be available for most of the season and will commit himself and won't be won't be going off to the Caribbean Premier League and the Pakistan Super League and all, and all the other things, and and who is the the batsman that we all hoped as our Ali would be, <laughs> but didn't mm. or be you know. Um, uh, didn't quite turn out that way, but that's that. I think that's that's where we should be looking for a really, you know, top top quality, solid, red ball batsman. Mm -hmm. Are you going for that as well, Dan? Well, I was just going to say, um, yeah, what's the anti saying? Yeah, if, if Overton, Gregory, and Davy are fit for the next season, we don't need Delanger. What we also don't need is a functioning batting lineup, to be honest, because we all know that bowlers win new championships. If those three are available all of next season, we could win the championship without particularly improving the batting. Probably would need to improve it a bit on these last four games. Um, but, you know, if we do have all them, then there's no reason we can't win it. Hampshire, you know, came extremely close with, with a, you know, a dysfunctional batting lineup. They had very few batters in the top, you know, 25 odd batters in the championship. Um, and the other point I was just going to make was that I see that Marcus Harris has rejected a contract at Leicestershire and he's accepted a contract with another county. I don't know if it will be us, but he does have links with Somerset. Yeah, he played with Abel, didn't he? Taunton, yeah. E exactly. So, I don't know. It's a substantial offer, apparently, compared to Leicestershire. Well, it won't so be maybe us, then. won't be us. Well, maybe, <laughs> yeah, well, maybe compared to <laughs> Leicestershire, we could be considered substantial. Well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he's the kind of player we need though someone who will be able for most of the season and will score your runs at the top mm, of the yeah. order absolutely absolutely agreed um, Herbacia says no question but just thanks to you all for a brilliant listen I oh, appreciate that Herb and thanks to you Anthony as well for all your commentaries yeah. uh, for uh, throughout the season and all the miles and lonely nights in travel lodges that you you, you have to put up Premier with in loyalty points yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I oh. wish 
Oh, there was uh, any more. Uh, Lord Lupin, 2022, hopes and fears. Well, I hope we win the championship, and I fear that we... we... <laughs> We might be relegated. <laughs> we, oh, we're not in two divisions, are we? we we're, stick, we're, no, we're, we're definitely then, sticking with the conferences for well, 20, just as well, I 22. Well, we bring, bring some of the young... I do hope... Just going back to the bowling, I do hope that Sonny Baker gets his chance yeah. next season. I, and I, I hope that Will Smead gets his chance and I hope that James Rue gets his chance as well and possibly George Thomas too. Yeah. You know, because I do think... Uh, it's it's important that, particularly in the case of, of James Rue and, and uh, Will Smead, even more so, that they don't don't get buttonholed, um, typecast as white ball cricketers. You know, these these guys need to be brought into the red ball game because they are the future of of the club. And I, I'm, you know, serious point, we ha- we work, we haven't got the resources to buy in good players from from outside. We, you know, we've lost a hell of a lot of money. In the last couple of years, we can't compete with the big eight, you know, with the with, with the test grounds, with all the money from the hundred and so on. So we're going to have to develop our, our own young players, and we've got some really really good ones, but they are the future. So let's invest in in, in young talent. And I was a bit disappointed that when I asked Jason Kerr about that, he wasn't a bit more forthright in terms of investing in in our young young talent because I, I think you know I've, I've spoken to other people who've, who've seen Sonny Baker and they are seriously impressed of, of the of the of the three young quick bowlers I think he's the one that's that has got the potential really to make a difference yeah from what I saw though Sonny Sonny's the kind of boy who's got that bit of x factor I think Absolutely. old Ned Leonard is is going to be a very very reliable seam bowler who's not going to go for a lot of runs he's just going to bash away at a line and length over after over. Leonard um, is going to be Davy. Yeah. <laughs> Baker potentially could be up there with Craig. And I think yeah. Katie Sildridge is going to be more Lewis Gregory, but a bit more batting favoured to me. And I think Casey's had a bit of a tough second half of the season as well, because yeah. he was very good early in the season. Mm-hmm. So I've, you know, um, I was saying earlier, Anthony, the great thing is they all seem to have younger brothers who are as good as, or better than Well, they so. always... Yes, yeah, so, well, Sonny's younger Blaze is uh, Sonny's younger brother playing for Torquay first team mm-hmm. uh, this season. Not exactly sure he's got on, but it's not. Oh, it's, great, great for headlines. It's on the not a name you forget, Blaze, really. is it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm not sure about. Uh, is is there a is there a young old Ned Leonard? I don't know. There's another Thomas, isn't there? Because he played in the under-19 into squad game last week. All oh, right. So he yeah. must be pretty good to be opening for the un- one of the under-19 teams. Yeah. All good. All looking rosy. Mind you, we said the that. Future's but... bright. The future's <laughs> maroon and black. <laughs> now, where have I heard that before? After the end of every single season, and finally, Ian, always look on the bright side of life. Oh, I know. I know. I know. I know it's the wrong title for a miserable old cynic like me, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and finishing finally from uh, second team seconds watcher Mike Unwin, seventy-five pound plus VAT for a ticket for the annual dinner. What are your thoughts? Can we not leave that to your conversation later, please? Well, I am. I'm speaking <laughs> to Carolina in about twenty odd minutes now, so I thought I'd get your thoughts on it, and then we'll, we can kind of segue in or whoever can stay on can stay on but uh it is it is a lot of money it is a lot yeah especially where we are at the moment yeah 
was that? Especially for a county that's as or a support that's as geographically diverse as us, because you're probably a lot of people who come to the dinner will probably have to stay in the town overnight, as opposed to, you know, if I came down to obviously yeah. I'd have to stay, but there'll be people who wouldn't want to come and enjoy that and then travel back, even by taxi mm-hmm. or whatever afterwards. So it's it's a a fair amount, and it it's clearly directed at corporates as well, isn't it? I mean that's. You know, it's so supply mm-hmm. and demand, and if they price it that and they sell all the tickets because corporates pay for it, well, mm-hmm. you know. Well, they haven't sold out yet. I think I saw a social post today saying that they um, they still had tickets available. So, um, yeah, I think we could have stomached a small increase, but doubling the price from 45 to 90 mm-hmm. for members is it's kind of, uh, yeah, it is a lot of money. So, uh, yeah, why well, should we uh, chat to Caroline about that in, uh, and amongst other things in... 20 minutes for you guys but probably not that long for guys who are listening to the podcast but uh ah so marks out of 10 for the season then and then we'll call it a day until next week when we do the golden apples six and a half yeah Yeah. i'll go with that i was going between six and seven so six and a half seems spot on (laughs) yeah agreed yeah full house at six and a half you have fun yeah, we've had fun, oh, yeah. and we did. Find, yeah. We did actually get to go and watch some cricket, so it was great. First day of that Hampshire yeah. game, coming in, watching that great partnership between uh, the best player in the world and and, and I. Gregory. I guarantee you, and I, I listen to commentaries from the other counties, and I watch what they're doing. Then I absolutely know that we are supporting the best county club in the country for the enjoyment we get, for the pride we get mm-hmm. inside, and and everything. So long may that continue. Here, here, could not have said that about myself, Steve. Right, so we're uh, going to do the Golden Apples, the second annual Golden Apples, um, this time next week. Um, so we'll be letting you know who are. Oh, we got we got an extra category for the Royal London Cup this year, so it could it could be a long one. So yeah, so uh, I'm going to chat to uh, Caroline Herbert now, who's the commercial director of Somerset County Cricket Club. I'm trying to work out how to kind of do this this segue to make it stay to make it kind of sound natural. I'll just leave this in. I'll just leave this in. We don't need. Uh, no, we don't need to do anything, uh, anything professional like that. We'll just say goodbye, and we'll just say goodbye, and then and then we'll start it again. And, I'm then. not really that bothered, to be honest. You're not <laughs> bothered, were you? Fucking oh, <laughs> oh, 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 like... money, money bags, kingdom. Yeah, 150. <laughs> no, it's yeah, it doesn't matter. Just, it's just that I don't go. I never plan to go to these after end of season dinners, so it's just not so. Oh, you won't get in the touch dry clean or anything like that. All right, fair enough. Okay, right. Well, for uh, Steve, Dan, and Anthony, and uh, we'll we'll bid you farewell. And uh, coming up next is Caroline Herbert, commercial director at Somerset County Cricket Club. Okay, so with me now is Caroline Herbert, the commercial director. Have I got that right? Of got that right? Yeah. Somerset County Cricket Club. Um, so you've been in posts now for just coming up to a year. Is that right? That's right. I started beginning of November mm-hmm. 2020. So lockdown 2.0. So yeah. <laughs> nearly, nearly a year. Nearly, yes. Good stuff. So, now, have have you sort of found things at, at Somerset? And what's your sort of background in in sort of sports compared to um, sort of us down here in Taunton? Yeah. So, uh, firstly, to answer how have I found it? It's been challenging. Twenty twenty one has been harder, I think, in some ways than twenty twenty because at, at least in twenty twenty you couldn't do anything. Uh, but yeah. resurrecting the grounds. Um, dealing with the the huge issues we've had in hospitality and catering um, have been challenging. It's been great, obviously, 
welcome crowds back, but um, it, it's not been without its its challenges. Love, I love the club. I think it's got such a fantastic following, deep affection, um, not only in Taunton and, and Somerset, but the Southwest region nationally and internationally. Um, the team are lovely. Um, we're very fortunate. In terms of my background, so I my career in sports started at Bristol Sports. Um, I was there for four years, so looked after the commercial interests of Bristol City football, Bristol Bears rugby and Bristol Flyers basketball. But prior to that, my whole career has been in mainstream media, um, so I've been able to obviously apply those business skills to a, a sporting environment. Good stuff. So, um, just how reliant are Somerset on these these sort of ancillaries, the things like the carveries, um, hiring out various suites for events and, and things like that? I'm not saying members don't realise how important it is, but I think sometimes you don't appreciate the the scale of of how reliant the club is on on these types of events. Yeah, and I think you know even more so now. Kind of when I say post COVID, I think we're still in a, a kind of COVID world. But I think the reality is, if we want to continue to invest in cricket and see performances on on the pitch. Um, we're going to have to increase our commercial revenues. I think uh, Andy and Jason and the team do an amazing job. They they punch above their weight. I think we're very fortunate that we've got a fantastic academy and pathway um, which sees us develop, identify and develop kind of local talent, as it were, and bringing them into the first team and and, and into the the national international squad. But you know the revenues that we're able to invest in cricket are a small fry compared to other clubs so we have to invest in cricket and I, I hasten to add I was brought in to drive the commercial revenues but I'm not lining the pockets of any shareholders mm-hmm. this is all about reinvesting it back into cricket um, and the wider community side of cricket you know the kind of recreational game so uh, hugely important I mean in 2020 we lost 3.1 million pounds worth of revenue across almost every revenue stream including membership despite the members generous donations we we lost um close to a million i think it was eight hundred thousand pounds um this year the, the loss has been less um i think it's about 1.5 million but the only revenue stream that's held up is actually commercial sponsorship yeah so you look forward um i don't think people realize that you know the the cost of putting on a match in these times has mm-hmm. been 30 more than it used to be um, we've had to make some tough decisions to to survive, and I think there are there are tougher times ahead. Um, ECB funding from from broadcast deals is a bit of an unknown. So yeah. if we reduce ECB funding, um, you know we're going to have to fill that gap. Um, and we've been buoyed up by HMRC and furlough payments. We've been buoyed up by the the, the central funding we've had for the hundred among many, many other things that make it, um, you know, we, we need to make our own way, really, which is why commercial revenues are so vitally important. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess it, it's a balance between sort of trying to maximise the rev- the revenue for the club and also trying to keep the, the price in fair. We have had a, a few comments uh, sort of come through our social channels regarding the, the, the pricing of the annual dinner that's uh, taking place on, I think, it's Saturday night, isn't it? Um, yeah, so 2019 it was 45 quid including the VAT for for your non-members, and it's it's jumped up to 90 including the VAT for non-members now. So was that a um, what was the thinking behind that decision? Well, there, there was a few things actually. Um, one, I, I I come from a background of um, where I've, I've enjoyed many a end of season dinner or a gala dinner um, within within the sporting environment, and I think the privilege of 
being in a room with the first class team, um, there, there's a ticket value on that. And we did some benchmarking um, and the, the kind of going rate is anywhere between £75 to I think 150 I saw. Um, so I think there's there's something to be said to, to being in the room with, with kind of these local heroes and, and sporting yeah. stars. But really the decision that drove that was, was purely one, it was a commercial decision to make sure that rather than make a loss, which we usually do on this event, mm -hmm. that we actually get to a even position. We've been incredibly hampered by a number of things. The challenges in the, um, the hospitality sector, you only have to read the newspapers, listen to the news, you know, chefs and front of house staff have, have vanished. They, mm -hmm. in the pandemic, they have found other jobs which give them a much better quality of life. So we simply do not have the kind of staff that we need. And in order to get them, we either have to rely very heavily on agency staff, which have increased costs, or we're having to throw lots of money to, to get chefs in. Yeah. So that's had a financial impact. We we haven't made a, 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 a break-even position prior to this, this year. Um, there hasn't been the eye on cost savings and cost efficiencies. Mm -hmm. We've also been hit by Brexit and the, the, the double whammy, I think, of Brexit and the pandemic. That produce is very hard to come by and it's much more expensive. Yeah. So, you know, there are lots of decisions that have had to drive that that price increase. Um, and it's just resetting it to what it sh mm -hmm. its value is, it should be. And I know that that could be a difficult pill to chew, but we just simply, particularly at this time, when we're so challenged financially, we, we can't make a loss on this event. We have to get to at least a break-even position. And that pricing is what will will deliver that for us. So there's no... That, that was the, mm -hmm. the sole reason um, and rationale for that. It wasn't to um, alienate any, anybody, um, avoid them being able to come. I appreciate some people may not be able to afford that. Um, but we, we just have to make the right decisions at the moment for, for the club. And as I say, it's all about keeping the Will Smead, finding the next, um, you know, uh, superstars that from the yeah. local area. That's purely it. Yeah. I mean, I guess a, a lot of members are thinking that it, with it being the first proper event back after the pandemic as well, um, the first time we could sort of mingle with the players at the end of season do we obviously missed out on it in in 2020 again it just seems to be that a, a doubly bitter pill to swallow if you like if you're you know looking at around 45 quid for a ticket thinking it's going to be that and then a couple of weeks before the event comes up bang it's doubled in price it's was there any thought to trying to keep it down and then maybe go up incrementally over the next few years or yeah, as I said, benchmarks it. You know, Gloucestershire rugby cricket, who I would say, um, great, you know, great club. But you know, in, in terms of the season that they've had, you know, their their tickets are seventy five pounds. So I think we're we're being comparative yeah. to our counterparts. You know, wasn't intended to penalise anyone, but we simply cannot in the, this particularly after two year two years. We can't afford to subsidise the event, um, and you know, it wasn't. You know, we love our members. You know, a key priority for us in 2021 was, you know, getting as many back as we could and giving them the best experience we could in challenging situations. But hopefully they'll understand that more than ever we need we need their support. Yeah. Um, and that it's about getting to a position where, you know, we the, the event washes its face. Mm -hmm. and we're not making a profit from this event um, and, and we don't intend to. Uh, you know, we, we there was some reticence about should we open it up? Um, because there are still COVID concerns for the players, some of 
of them are going to go abroad. Yeah, obviously to the World T20s and, and all sorts yeah. of Ashes tours potentially coming up as well. So, Yeah, but yeah. we made the decision that we did want to welcome people back into the ground and get them mingling with the players and, and hoped that people would understand. Um, and perhaps, you know, it was in the communication. You know, I, I, you know, I, I take it it's a big hike with VAT. Um, and, you know, perhaps if we'd communicated the rationale behind it, it would have been a more palatable pill to take. Yeah, thanks for that. Appreciate that. Um, so, I guess what's coming up, sort of new in twenty twenty two? Then, have we got any anything uh, sort of you got planned that's exciting uh, that we should be looking forward to? Or yeah, I hope so. We're going to plan a, a whole series of members events. I think we want to w- welcome members back. We're we're going to hopefully launch our new membership packages imminently. We're just waiting for the format of next year to be finalised by the ECB. Um, obviously, my priority is as you mentioned at the start is to make the cooper associates county ground a 365 day venue mm-hmm. um so we're looking at hosting comedy nights um i'm really keen to get a big concert um to the ground um not in, just a if, tribute at this time Somewhere not just yeah. uh, you know i'd love Coldplay to come that would be amazing <laughs> but um you know to get a really big artist to, to to the ground would be amazing um so we're working with um a number of uh, live uh, nation events to try and make that happen we might have missed the boat slightly for 2020 because a lot of these things and put in motion well in mm-hmm. advance that's a big big aim of ours we welcomed Ian Botham back mm-hmm. a few weekends ago which were or a few a couple of weeks ago which was a fantastic event so doing some yeah. more sports events what Phil um, Tufner isn't it is he coming yeah. in spring yeah yeah I'm hoping to get an event with Rory Bremner as well um, in kind of February time. So hosting a lot more of our own events um, because I think Taunton's got a great deal to offer. It's a fa- you know fantastic mm-hmm. transport um, and we need to compete more with the likes of Bristol um, who, who tend to do very well there. So um, yeah, just watch this space really. Um, and just making sure that we, we improve on what we've done in, in 2021, which was challenging. Um, oh, yeah. We want to go back to, you know, fantastic service that I think the the ground has had in the past. So that's going to be a key priority for us as well. That's brilliant. As, obviously hosting fantastic cricket and getting some silverware. Yeah, that's- definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, you won't have heard the podcast that we've just recorded previously, but that was our our uh, our aim as well. Um, good stuff. Yeah. Okay, jason definitely okay carla well thanks very much for for taking the time to to come on tonight um if you do want to pop if you have got any big announcements of any concerts or anything feel free to drop me a line and uh we can give you the exclusive on uh on uh, announcing those Uh, although i'm sure ben will probably want to get them out on the social media before that but uh yeah thanks very much for your time carolyn and i'm sure we'll bump into the ground uh next season i hope so thanks ian brilliant thanks caroline bye-bye